0: Hello
1: there.
0: At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are you doing today, Amon?
1: General Kenobi.
0: That's who's with us today. It's not Amon. We've been waiting for this moment a long time.
1: We have been waiting
0: for this a long time, actually. I'm a big fan of the General. Absolutely, yeah. I'm a little bit of a Grievous fanboy. It's. I think we've been doing these episodes recently, so I've had my fun time where it's like, I don't love all the bad guys in Star Wars, but I appreciate them all. But there's a couple of bad guys I do love, and Grievous and Dooku in particular are ones that I really do love. They're so themselves, you know what I mean? Amon? <laughs> It's so obvious their characters, like what they are about. You know what I mean? I love that. And there were nuance too, especially Dooku, of course. No, I would agree with you. I think for me, I first laid my eyes
1: on Grievous and the Gendi stuff. Same. So that left a huge impression. Huge impression. And I think one of the most iconic scenes, which unfortunately it's legends now, but it's where he is just drops down like Batman style from the ceiling in that cavern. Oh, and yeah. just fighting four Jedi at once, including ki Mundi. That's right. And kills a couple. That was insane. And ki like one arm, bicep bulging, <laughs> you know, like ripped shirt. And Yeah, man. Grievous is a monster dude in that, in that show. And when he made his live action debut, I was very excited because I do love the character. And I kind of, in my head, in the way Star Wars and Grievous works, is that that Genndy stuff happened. Right. It was just sure. moments in time. And I
0: think Revenge of the Sith is obviously the twilight of Grievous. And we could talk about some theories on that today because there's not actually a lot of conclusive stuff in canon anymore about his cough, but obviously very iconic to the character. But yeah, if you haven't guessed, we're doing Grievous today. We're doing his box, the Appetite for Destruction box. I'm going to be doing Grievous, Kraken, and the B2 Battle Droids. All things we're very excited to talk about. And I think we just got to get into it today, Amon, because we got a lot to say.
1: We have a lot to say, and we're both very excited. But before we do that, we have a couple housekeeping items we have to take care of. If you are tuning in for the first time, we are doing a Star Wars Shatterpoint Corset giveaway. Anyone can enter to win. All you have to do is click the bit link in our description that you'll find in your podcatcher of choice, and follow us on any of our social media. The more social media you follow, the higher amount of entries you get in the giveaway and then of course our patrons as well get additional entries so please give us a quick follow full transparency that link is being monitored by amg atomic mass games and so that traffic will allow us to get preview stuff in the future which is very exciting in fact the box that we're giving away was given to
0: us by amg so we're very excited absolutely Iman and You know, I think I said in the last episode, but you can bookmark that as your main link to the Shatterpoint homepage hub. It helps us out, helps AMG out. And you can just refer back to it throughout the time of playing this game and just get to the main page. I certainly have been referring to the main page a lot to get to those assembly guides and stuff, for instance. So it's really nice to have. Of course, our show is supported by Mr. Laser at mr-laser.square.site. Your resource for everything Shatterpoint. Mr. Laser has Shatterpoint product, he has Marvel Christ Protocol product, he has other product, but most notably Amon, he makes magnetic trays for this game, Shatterpoint and Marvel Christ Protocol, that I highly recommend. Amon and I now have the Shatterpoint trays from Mr. Laser, which is extremely exciting. It holds a full premiere list on it, so you can take a full premiere list, your four groups to a tournament play. Also, it holds the whole core set. So it's like full corset for premiere list. It's you know whatever works best for you. But I mean, incredible. You can just take it and go. And he has future Shatterpoint products in the works. And of course, he already has a discounted rate. But you can get more of a discount with our code. Hello there five. That's the number five, and take five percent off your order. It supports him and supports us. So the more people that jump on his website and use that code means a lot to us. Absolutely.
1: We also are supported by Imperial Terrain, the premier. Source of downloadable and printable terrain for Star Wars Shatterpoint and Star Wars Legion. The terrain scales very well for both games, and there's some really cool sets, including Fractured City Set, that was actually designed from the ground up to link and attach to the Shatterpoint Core Set. So it is interchangeable in terms of its modularity. And so please give them a look. If you do end up deciding to purchase a digital file, you can use. Hello There 5. Again, like Jesse said earlier, the number 5. And that supports not only Pure
0: Terrain, but also us at Hello There as well. Absolutely. He has a new set that's gotten even some more recent additions and buildings added to it. It's called the Villainy Village. It's a very cool traditional Star Wars desert planet type set. Rounded buildings, flat buildings, ladders integrated into the buildings. So you have something to supplement your fractured city, which is very urban. But of course, I'm on we cannot do this show without our patrons. Our patrons support us at Patreon.com/slash LowtherCast. If you enjoy our show, would like to join our group of amazing patrons, and also help support us in what we do, that's the place to do it. We have several tiers. All the tiers get you different benefits, but most importantly, all the tiers get you into the Discord.
1: Absolutely, Jesse. That bonus feed is a ton of fun. We have three additional patrons this week. We have Brian and Matt at the Jedi Knight Sith Warrior tier, and Nicholas at the Padawan slash Acolyte tier. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. And Jesse, I'm just going to do a little bit of gushing here. Really proud of our Discord. Initially, I think you and I were super involved in trying to be as communicative as possible. Yeah. But I think you kind of have this proud dad moment, if you will, where you kind of like have your creation or your project take on a life of its own. And... What I've been really enjoying about our Discord is that everyone's just chatting with each other, scheduling games with each other, chatting about Star Wars, sharing memes. It's been a ton of fun, and and I've just enjoyed being
0: a lurker, in fact. I second all that, yeah. And it's fun to jump in and and talk about the game, talk about Star Wars, and talk about non-related Star Wars stuff as well. comes from time to time. Also, too, I'm very proud of our Hello There League that's in full force, 22 players, which is insane. So, of course, you become a patron, you get access to that as well. But, I mean, there's tons of cool chatter going on about people's matches, people's games, people getting to meet each other and and have fun in that at the same time.
1: Yeah. Another fun story. Today, we found out that three of our patrons actually all live in the same city. Amazing. So, not only are they playing together on our online stuff, but they're going to start meeting in person and
0: playing, which is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, I feel very privileged that we get to be part of that connective tissue in any way. Absolutely. But of course, i on. We cannot do the show without our producers. So if you're new here, our producers get a shout out every episode because they're choosing to be at a higher tier and support us and help us pay our monthly bills. So we're giving a shout out to those producers right now. It's Jedi Rusty, Jedi Rich, and Bounty Hunter Brady. Thank you so much, producers team.
1: Of course, there is one producer who... Lords over the galaxy. That's right. Our executive producer. Our executive producer. And his name is Emperor Kevin. Emperor Kevin holds it down for the dark side, but also holds it down for those attrition players out there. Because I think last league, which is our preseason league, and then now our episode one league, if you will, is leader in the amount of wounds he dishes out.
0: So unlimited power. Unlimited power—he wins that every time, and I'm sure it'll be no different in this league. So, big shout out to Sith Emperor Kevin. Thank you for all you do. But, I'm on we got to move on and talk about this box today. I'm really excited to talk about this box. Starting with General Grievous. So, this is a character that you and I both really love in Star Wars, and makes a lot of sense. We grew up with the prequels. He's a pivotal piece in Separatist Army. But I'm going to go through his lore real quick, and it's really interesting. On this show, we only talk canon. The canon has changed a lot in recent years. Grievous is one of those people who has lost a lot of canon and the like, doing away with legends. Thrawn's an example of this as well, where it's like he is one of those characters where his legend stuff kind of remains consistent with the canon we have now. You know what I mean? There's nothing conflicting. And so much so, maybe like they did with Thrawn, they'll just redo it in comics and other stories and stuff like that and just refine it, but kind of do the same. but. I do say that because, you know, there's less information on Grievous than there is some of these other characters we've been doing, at least in the greater canon and the main story points. Of course, in the way of battles, he participates in a lot in the Clone Wars, right? So we're going to do something we did similar to our Luminar episode, where we're going to talk about Grievous's people and his race within the galaxy, because I think it's going to frame our discussion a little bit similar to how it did with the Mary Allen people on our Luminar episode. Give us a little bit of context. So Grievous was a Kalish. Kalish were a sentient species from the wild space world of Kali. They had red skin, they had long noses or nostrils, they had yellow eyes with the reptilian slits in them, and then they had tusks that came out of their chin and kind of mouth area, if you're thinking of a human. And they were very proud warlike people that didn't have a lot of tech, come on. They didn't have a lot of technology, at least in the way of the Star Wars universe goes. Of course, even primitive people in the Star Wars galaxy have more tech than we do in our world at given times. But They didn't have very much tech. And also, the coolest part I think about them is when they went to battle, they wore these masks made out of animal bones from the animals on their planet. And they made the holes in the mask that they could see. Of course, this is full circle because the bone shapes of the masks are the shape of Grievous's cyborg head, which he obviously had based off of his mask from his past, right? Like the thing that actually goes over his face, over his eyes. It's exactly based off of like these bone face masks that his people wore you know, growing up and when he went to war and he went to war a lot with his people. We're going to talk about real quick what Grievous's actual name is because not General Grievous. General Grievous is kind of like a moniker of war. You know, it's not actually his name. It's something he adopted later in life. It's kind of like when the Grand Inquisitor, which we're going to be talking about very soon, became the Grand Inquisitor. He did away with his name, right? He just became Grand Inquisitor. The title is the name and General Grievous is no different. But Grievous actually had a name in his Kalish lore and people. His name was Kaimane Kai Shilal. So he has a long name. It's a very cool name. And we did do our research and make sure he pronounced it right, because there's a lot of different ways to pronounce it in the lore over the years and also just in some books and stuff.
1: Yeah. In fact, actually, fun fact, which you're aware of, but for our listeners, mm-hmm. the only confirmed canon time that we hear the correct pronunciation of General Grievous' his name, Kaimin, is through a Star Wars Lego special. It's pretty wild, right? Incredible. And Lucasfilms has
0: confirmed that that is the correct pronunciation. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Lego Star is the way to go, I guess. It really helps us out. It's just so funny. That's where we get it. And, you know, that's the cool thing about Star Wars. If they say something's canon, it's canon. And use that as a reference, right? Well, let's talk about... Grievous's time on the planet Kali. He was this great warrior on the planet. He was like a general leader of his people, very prolific leader of his people. He won a lot of battles. But most importantly, notable moment in his life, there were these technologically advanced enemies came from another moon called the Yamri, and they tried to invade the planet. So Grievous' people and these People were in combat for a while, and what's interesting is the Yamari people were like a insectoid bug people. They kind of look like praying mantises, which is also just a cool, I don't know, thematic lore thing. Very sci-fi, right? And Grievous got really good in this battle, but most notably from this time, this was a conflict in the galaxy, right? So the Republic became aware of it. Well, eventually the Republic sided with the mantis people and not Grievous's people. Most notably, the Jedi kind of sided with. Those people in this conflict. And some of this is legends, some of this is current canon, because they kind of pick and choose little bits, like I talked about in the little bit in the front. But Grievous never forgot about the Republic and the Jedi, turning his back on his people, right? Whether or not they were right or wrong, in his mind didn't matter because they didn't support his people, right? And he held that grudge and that goes on the rest of his life. Right. Yeah. What's really interesting about Grievous is you would think he would get in a horrible accident or something, right? to get this like Darth Vader type cybernetic suit. A lot of this he chose. Over time he chose to become a cyborg, receiving subtle enhancements to his body over time, which is super wild to me. Like it also makes him like I don't know, extra intimidating to me because eventually Grievous is going to join up with the banking clan and the beginnings of the Separatist army and he really starts leaning into this changing his body and he has this personal medical droid EVA4 who ends up being kind of one of his only friends in life and he's this mad scientist medical droid basically but basically grievous has all this stuff done to his body like he has his nerve endings weakened so he doesn't really feel as much pain he increases his speed and his you know his reflexes through cybernetics obviously most of his body ends up becoming cyborg his entire inner body is still his humanoid body but his outer body is no longer what he was kalish and this is where it gets really fuzzy among with the old canon because in the old canon There were more reasons why he became cyborg, you know, but we're talking canon today. Now, what's interesting is I said he kind of gets locked in with the intergalactic banking clan, who we know are one of the original members of the Separatist Alliance. He becomes known to Dooku and Sidious through the banking clan. So Grievous becomes an enforcer, just a very scary muscle for the banking clan to get stuff done for them, to get their money, to protect them, things like that. Dooku and Sidious hear about this. And of course, they're very interested Eventually, the CIS gets formed by Dooku. We know this, right? And it gets extra weird. Grievous actually gets... And this is some of the old Legends stuff, too, so it's kind of a bit fuzzy, but Grievous does get actually sabotaged by Dooku's assassins and saboteurs in his shuttle, has a horrible crash, does end up losing large parts of his body, and then he really leans into the cybernetic thing even more. So this is where you're like, okay, what's canon, what's Legends? How much was he already doing how much did he need to do out of necessity but now basically the cis has him in a chokehold because they're like well we'll give you the money to get all your enhancements this horrible thing happened to you we don't know who did it we say in quotes and might as well be the most powerful you can be right so he ends up getting the cybernetic robotic body and most of his organic body is now destroyed he's essentially like if you think of vader you know, Obi-Wan said he's more machine than man now. I mean, Grievous is way more machine than even Vader, right? So that's kind of the history on what happened to him. I do find it very like wild, once again, that Dooku did something this nefarious again, you know, like sabotaging Grievous' shuttle. I mean, having people do it for him, kind of keeping Grievous subservient to this. We know the next part of the story, which is definitely canon in the movies as well, the reconstructed Grievous. He's already this incredible melee warrior. We know this through his Kaliche days, but now he's training under Duku and all the different forms of lightsaber training, and he's learning how to use lightsabers, which is super wild because he's one of those rare instances we have in Star Wars in the movies of a non Force user lightsaber person, and that's going to come up today in our strategy as well. Grievous got Rika kind of go toe to toe with Duku, obviously never win, but got pretty good at fighting him, and he also learned how to obviously get more arms and wield more sabers over time. Which I think is the rule of cool, I guess. is one, one of the biggest things for Grievous. George was like multiple arms, multiple sabers, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's really cool. I mean, you're right in that a lot of Grievous's backstory is tragic. And unfortunately, it's been cut from the current canon timeline. But I think the original Grievous, which is the Grievous that I still fondly think about, is someone who is a very tragic three-dimensional character. Yeah, absolutely. If you solely focus on the movies and the newer material, then he kind of comes off as this mustache twirling villain, but I actually don't think that's the case. I think General Grievous is actually one of the most brutal Star Wars villains of all time. I mean, General Grievous never killed a Jedi master, but what he did is he preyed upon these Padawans. We talked about this child soldier thing in the Barris episode a little bit, but a lot of these Padawans were forced to the front lines. And easy pickings for General Grievous. In fact, in the Clone Wars, he's fighting Kit Fistu and his apprentice, isolates Kit Fisto's apprentice, kills him. It just goes to show, like, you know, the whole scene where Anakin gets a lot of flack from murdering younglings. Grievous built his
0: whole career off that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, let's not sell him short. I mean, obviously, he could take out pretty much any Padawan, but he took out a lot of Jedi Knights, too. Now, some of it's been deleted scenes and stuff, right? Yeah. But. It is canon movie stuff or show stuff, right? But a big part of that is something we talked about in the Dooku episode. It's kind of unfortunate we can't talk about it today, but is the Magna Guards, you know? Because they're such a crucial piece of Grievous's fighting style and, and his, they're his entourage everywhere he goes, you know? But AMG chose to split the boxes in different ways. But you've already got these Magna Guards, which are super fast, above human reflexes. They can go toe-to-toe with the Jedi, especially if there's three-on-one. And Grievous, he just coming from the side and just ace a jedi just take him right out right while his magna guards were kind of people engaged you know and i think it's something you can probably do in shatterpoint as well
1: yeah my final thoughts before we jump into his card is i think grievous gets a lot of flack for being a people call him a coward a little bit we can talk more about that i like it to talk about it yeah sure i don't necessarily think that's true a he's a general and a general will always tactically retreat in order to fight another day and contribute to the long war rather than focusing on a particular battle or a particular sense of honor. And not to say that Grievous isn't honorable. I just think that over time, especially if you really look into his non-canon background, he is so upset with the fact that he now feels like he is a droid. He's this general of this soulless army, right? And he comes from a very proud, martial, passionate people. But at the end of the day, While he gets this cowardly reputation from constantly fleeing when he's outnumbered or outgunned, I think that's smart because you're a non force user fighting a Jedi Master. You're not going to win that. You're not. No. No. So retreating from an unwinnable battle is often the right move. I will say that Grievous's particular choice of victim did make him a bit of a coward because he always went for easy prey. Now, again, that's smart. It's
0: It's clones too, right? Like he could just murder clones like crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anything that's like below a Jedi Master. Even below a Jedi Knight, he's like, I can take that. Padawan clones, easy.
0: Oh, yeah, easy.
1: Senators, easy. And I love that about him because he loves to post about the Jedi he killed. But when you actually take a look at the Jedi that he's killed. It's like Padawans and knights. It's like, yeah, probably the weaker knights or the fresher knights and then teenagers. Like, Which I think is crazy because he uses that propaganda and he has this. He's it feared, works. right? Like, he is feared. Except, you know, Obi-Wan wasn't scared.
0: No, kind of did
1: himself in the middle of the base and was like, <laughs> your base belongs to
0: me, bro. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that real quick. But I, I'm glad you brought up that he was he was the Supreme Marshal Commander of the D- Separatist Droid Army. So like Dooku was leading the whole CIS. But Grievous, when he got put in charge after the Battle of Geonosis, he was he led the whole army, right? He was second only to Dooku, right? He was a good military strategist. And more importantly, he made like a melee combatant we talked about. And he made it a habit in a game of collecting lightsabers. You know, it's it's a huge feature and a cool thing of his character, which is one of the coolest mustache twirling things is that he takes a token of his trophies from all his victims, right? And we know that he has more than four sabers because he frequently fights with four, but he gets more added to his collection over time. And yeah, he, it's just boasting. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just boasting. And I think it's, it's a great villain trait. I also love that he is a little bit cowardly because it does add a layer of complexity to this guy who could just shred you in melee but then like he starts losing he's like oh I'm out which is very unusual for for villains in general but especially Star Wars villains they're typically not that's more of a scum and villainy thing
1: right i think that just further highlights the fact that he is not a force user right these force users whether they're dark side or light side followers yeah. have a sense of pride and dare i say even arrogance mm-hmm. right and they have this extreme you know obviously we've talked a little bit about it on the show but You know, the way of the Jedi and the Sith is heavily inspired from Japanese Bushida, right? So you have this honor battle and duels, and they take it very seriously where he's like, dude, I'm not a Jedi. I'll use your tools. I'll use your weapons. It's like that lightsaber quiz we took in our (laughs) bonus episode, right. right? right? Where it's like, would you use a lightsaber if even if it didn't belong to you? And Gravis is like, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. He's like, it's my weapon now. Not only will I use it, I'm using it all the time.
1: And I love his voice, where he's like, "Your lightsaber will be an excellent addition to my collection." You
0: know. Yeah, man. Do you want to go ahead and tell everyone like the story behind the voice actor for him, really quick? Sure. Yeah, that's a good idea. So Matthew Wood, of course, is the creative head of sound for everything Star Wars since the prequels onwards. So the man's got an incredible tenure from the late '90s to now. He's the guy who replaced Ben Burt, the legend who retired. So Matthew Wood. He does all the sound. He does all the music mixing. All the incredible things, you know. You think about, especially in the prequels, on where you're like, "Oh wow, he made the seismic charge sound." This guy is a legend, right? But Grievous obviously didn't have a voice yet, but they had the design, and he was in the film, and he talked very little in the Gindi stuff too, like very little, and he had just like a little bit of robot voice, not nothing too crazy in the Gindi stuff, and like we said, that wasn't full canon. So Matthew's in there doing the ADR of Grievous. He's laying down the lines so the scenes make sense and the audio makes sense and all lines up right and he's kind of doing this raspy russian general type accent you know a little bit of a flash gordon-y vibe you know villain of the week thing and george ends up loving it and george is like just keep that and like let's put a vocoder on it there it is now he's played grievous and everything since so Primarily, he's the main sound guy of everything Star Wars, you know, still to this day. I mean, he does everything, all the shows, everything. And just so incredible that he gets to play Grievous and the B-1 Battle Droids in everything basically since episode one. He's That's just what he's done. So it's, it's a cool story for sure. And yeah, he's a really nice dude as well. I got to meet him and he loves just to talk about music or sound or anything, you know, like you can tell he just really loves his craft.
1: Yeah, very cool. And it just goes to show like the type of guy George is, where he's like, You're my buddy. We've been working together a long time. Why don't we try something? Wow, you did a good job. Here's another stream of income for you for life, you know?
0: Incredible, right? Incredible. So, yeah, just marketing the history books. Well, let's talk about Grievous today in Star Wars Shatterpoint.
1: Before we get into this card, I really do want to say, I think this might be my favorite miniature from Atomic Mass Games, period.
0: Yeah, I've said similar things. I don't know if it's been on this show or it's been on Furious Finest or what, but this is one of their best they've ever done. I'm on straight up. I think it is their best, period. No, you might be exactly on the money. It's certainly the best in the Shatterpoint line and what comes close, right? And there are other lines, right? It's incredible. I mean, yeah, he's kind of a pain
1: to build. So do take your time with him. Sure. But it is an incredibly detailed model. The heroic scale of Shatterpoint really does it justice. Because you get those intricate details, but then you also, I think similar to Marvel, like Star Wars is not known for its super intricate details and accessories. Like yeah, yeah. you're wearing robes or it's a droid with a cape, you know, it's nothing too crazy. And I love it. I love the fact that he's standing on a Jedi statue. Yeah, for sure. It further emphasizes the fact that, you know, he is that Jedi hunter, if you will, which I yeah. love. Yeah, man, he's he's amazing. I love the texture on his cape.
0: Such a great miniature. Well, I've also got to point out to you and mention, because I'm such the Grievous fan that I am a Star Wars fan, like this is the Clone Wars Grievous, which is slightly different from the movie Grievous. more angular. His shoulder pads are different. Like there's just a lot of elements that are more stylized, right? His Like his ear flaps are bigger. I love that too, because not only is this the best Grievous model we've ever had in a Star Wars game, but it's also very stylized and unique as well. Canon Grievous is a lot more bulky. He's taller and he's a little wider. And I just love that they leaned really hard into the Clone Wars look, which has got its own unique twists of the style, just like our, our main characters in Clone Wars, Obi-Wan and Dooku with those super stylized beards.
1: I really like it. I think it's one of my favorite aspects, of the aesthetics of Shatterpoint. And I do think that the Clone Wars TV show, the animated series, is really some of the best Star Wars, if not like peak Star Wars. For sure. And so leaning into that, is I think the right move because I think it really helps flesh out the story of the Clone Wars and gives all these characters so much more limelight and, and screen time, which gives us more affection and more attachment to them, right? I don't know if I'd yeah. be as big of a Grievous fan or even a Kid Fistu fan or a Qui-Gon fan if it wasn't for these additional elements that we get, like Tales of the
0: Jedi or Clone Wars and stuff like that. Great points, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to like what AMG is doing with this style in the future with characters that never were in these animation mediums. You know what I mean? So in case of point, a lot of the original trilogy stuff will be through this lens and this style rather than a purely like movie accurate Canon style, like they've been in every game since. And I think that's unique as well to see Luke or Han or other characters slightly in a clone wars type style, you know, and we saw that with that, you cannot run box. I'm just really excited to see what more they can do them on. And I think to bring this all in summation, you're absolutely right. This is probably their best sculpt, and I think it just quantifies like how good future sculpts are going to be for this game. It's mm-hmm. it's proof. The proof is here. I'm very
1: tempted to give him a white cape just because I love the Gandhi stuff so much. Do it, do it. Yeah, I love that stuff. Absolutely, I love the slight. From a painting perspective, though, the black cloak is better, obviously, for the contrast. But gosh,
0: it's tempting. He's so clean that Gandhi look, though. Absolutely. So. Well, we've got to talk about General Grievous and Star Wars Shatterpoint, starting like we always do, talking about his stats and abilities. So he's an 11 stamina character with three durability. He's going to cost you eight squad points, so he's in that average range. He's going to bring three force. Closing out, he has only two tags, the least amount, I think, of any model thus far, droid and separatist alliance. Very lucky that he doesn't have the
1: battle droid tag.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a bummer in the sense of like Kraken and Kalani can't make him tactical network, but I get it to balance purposes. And he's not actually a battle droid. He is a cyborg. The fact that AMG even gave him the droid tag is awesome for future proofing. But from a lore standpoint, I mean, he's only part droid, right? He's, he's a living being. So I'm curious what they do with that droid tag in the future.
1: Yeah, I think if anything, they may have just given it to him because people probably assume he's a droid.
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe that, too. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about his basic stats. We've been very happy with any primary that comes out with 11 stamina. It's unusual. Like, it's not a ton of characters have it. It's not, you know, and I think it kind of makes sense. He's part droid, so he is tougher. But I do like it. I mean, it really helps his staying power, especially as we'll see later on when we get into his defenses. It helps keep him
0: alive. I'm on Anakin, Maul, Him, Vader. Those are the only people that are 11 or higher, right? So that's something worth mentioning right now, right? Like everybody else is 10 or less, right? So
1: he'll make a fine addition to my <laughs> miniature collection. <laughs> collection. Yeah. Collection. All right. So starting off, General Grievous, he's got a tactics ability called Onward. At the start of this unit's activation, choose another battle droid character within range four.
0: The chosen character may dash. It's fine. It's what you want, right? Probably one of the weaker tactics we have in the game thus far, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's definitely good. You're going to use it every turn. It's just a lot of these characters that have these like supporting units or get to dash and they get a hunker or they get to perform an attack or you get to move multiple groupings of them, right? His is just one battle droid character. So keep in mind, character is just a mini in this game. If you ever have any distinction issues between character and unit they get a dash. And I also think this is probably really good. I'm on with his box mate, the B2s. And of course, the Magna Guards.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, any battle droid, including Kraken and Kalani, can benefit from this as well. And, you know, it's nothing super exciting, but I think this further accentuates that separatist strategy where there is a term called Wakanda wave that people will use in MCP and I'm trying to not reference that game as much, so excuse my (laughs) reference to that game if you're not familiar. But the reason I bring that up is because the way that list won games is that it just moved up the board like a wave and you couldn't stop it. Either the wave broke on you or it washed you away. And I feel like that's how separatists play in Star Wars Shatterpoint. It is this continuous onslaught of dashing and repositioning and advancing and getting five dice attacks that quickly add up and really make you feel like you're fighting more units than you really are. I'll give you an example. In our current Hello There League, my first round opponent, he hit me like 10 times with his B1s throughout the course of the game. And that chip damage adds up over time. And I kept thinking like, man, it really feels like I'm fighting a ton of droids. That's awesome. Rather than just one or two characters, right, or one unit of B1s. I like it. It's good because it works great in conjunction to what Kalani and Kraken and Dooku
0: can do well said yeah and of course those droids probably only went like two times in that game right so to say they attack 10 times is notable that's huge yeah it's
1: incredible and and I think this is a perfect addition to what the separatists
0: are trying to do absolutely well let's move on he has one active ability called scuttle costs you one force character in this unit so Grievous has scale until the end of the turn one character in this unit may advance. So obviously this is Grievous' version of Force Speed and the second clause, but let's talk about the first clause I'm on, scale. So scale's a little complex in the book. We talked about it in our recent episode with the Clone Commando, so I think we did our biggest spiel there. So if you need to really get more scale, that's probably the place to do it, but basically any effect that would give you a dash, a reposition, things like that, you have the option of climbing. But keep in mind, when you climb in this game, you always have to go down to the dash tool. I say that because Grievous has a lot of repositions and stuff on his card. He can use the reposition if he scuttled early in the turn and he gets a reposition on his tree. He can use the reposition to climb. But keep in mind, you're not using the full reposition movement if you are trying to climb to a higher elevation. He's still a dash. But it's still great because it gives him... A lot of movement that seems unexpected, especially when you add ingress points into the mix. And Scuttle's just incredible because paying one to advance without advancing means that Grievous can kind of get anywhere he wants, Mon, because we haven't talked about, I guess, an important part of his miniature yet. He's on the large base size. Yeah, great distribution. Yeah, so advanced Scuttle, we're looking at the fastest unit in the game as the game stands right now, right? So obviously there's characters with multiple jumps and stuff like that, more terrain-dependent. But if Grievous has got a clear shot, he can get places.
1: Yeah, I think well said, Jesse. Large base, two advances. It's very powerful, very fast. And I think the scale is nice. I think I've heard some people or read that they're not too impressed with this ability, but I think you described it perfectly. It is effectively a force speed with the added functionality that you can just climb instead if you really want to. And then as you mentioned earlier with those repositions, a special distinction, which I know you're aware of, but for our listeners, you cannot climb out of combat. So if you are getting the reposition, the benefit of that is it allows you to advance out of combat rather than dash. So if you are going to reposition and then utilize the scale, you can no longer be in combat. So generally what that means is Grievous needs to take out or wound the opposing target, which as we'll talk about soon, he most likely will with his quad arm stance but let's move on to some more of his abilities here this is a reactive ability called I've been trained in your Jedi arts this costs two force after a melee attack made by a character in this unit is resolved this unit may use this ability each enemy unit that has one or more characters engaged with the attacker except
0: the defending unit suffers two damage right so this is super cool let's try to explain it with you know theater of the mind and Power of radio, but it's basically you're attacking someone, they're not being affected by this, but everyone else that's within engagement range of your grievous can potentially be affected by this. There's another ability kind of very soon that kind of coincides with this, which we'll talk about, but also you can just attack someone and say, Oh, the person to the left of them that's got two stamina remaining, I can just take them out if I really want to for two force. It's a high price to pay, but it's guaranteed damage getting through without defense saves
1: i agree i mean i think this is a very cool ability and i mean this in a very polite manner i think it's the weakest part of this card that's not a bad thing right it is situationally excellent well and the theme is incredible right sure yeah but like from a gameplay perspective you know talking about theory of mind like yeah, situationally an excellent ability because yeah i pay two force i can potentially just wound an enemy character right in addition to what i'm already doing but i would say that you're probably going to use this few and far between
0: yeah, absolutely, and I think another reason they kind of take some of the wind out of his sails in rules interaction. Let's say you like jump up to a point. You're attacking Bow. There's two Supermando's there. You do this into the Supermando's, right? This isn't going to give you four damage because the Supermando's are one unit, right? It's going to give you two damage, even though there's two Supermando's there on either side of Bow. Let's say you're engaged with all of them. I've seen some people ask that question. I think it's a really realistic question to ask thematically. You're like, oh, they both getting hit? No. Since they're the same unit, just one of them's getting hit. So once again, that takes a little bit of wind out of the sails on it. But Amon, I will say, struggle two and three, where there's that one point on the midline, and that's the only point on the midline, this ability really comes online because I've had some games recently where there's just a dog pile of units on the midline struggle point because we both have our backs and we just we're really trying to win that middle one and close the game out. This is a great tool for that. And like I said too, theater of the mind. The theme is incredible because this is his other arms coming out and stabbing people on the sides while he's stabbing the primary target with his main arms, right? So love it. He's obviously spinning the sabers too, which is a good trick for Grievous. But we got to move on and talk about an innate ability called Appetite for Destruction, which does actually coincide with this I have been training your Jedi arts I was alluding to. So after Grievous makes a combat action, choose another allied battle droid support character. So it has to be a support within three of Grievous. The chosen character may dash, then that character may make a five dice attack targeting one of the same enemy characters within range and line of sight. Now this matters, Amon, because you could actually, it says after this unit makes combat action, so after Grievous makes combat action on Appetite for Destruction, it also says on I've been training your Jedi arts after a melee attack by Grievous has been resolved. So you can actually trigger Appetite for Destruction before you trigger Je- Training Jedi Arts. So you can actually soften up a target with a B1 or a B2 or something, and then you can actually say, oh, they have two health remaining. Well, now I'm paying for I Training Your Jedi Arts. So once again, a lot of out of activation attacks during Grievous's activation. That's the highest ceiling, of course, of the I've been Training Your Jedi Arts. But
1: yeah. I think you're a little higher on that ability than I am, and that's perfectly cool. I think the way that you've described it in terms of the lore and like the quad arm, it looks really cool. It's amazing. It's very thematic. But I really do like Appetite for Destruction because Grievous, you're relying on him, and we'll talk about this more about how you play him, but he can do so much damage that you're relying on him to often one-shot stuff. And it's actually a very plausible eventuality. What Appetite for Destruction does, it gives you a little bit of insurance policy. You know, maybe you didn't have that best roll, or maybe your opponent just spiked on defense, or maybe you left your opponent on one or three. Having a B two or a one jump in there, or even a Magna Guard, right? Dash in, get into range, maybe jump onto a point additionally, and then add additional damage. I mean, we talked about again the separatist wave, right? Like it's a constant <laughs> like barrage of dashes and repositions and oh yeah, five dice attacks ad nauseum that really you start to feel that weight of holy crap i'm fighting a droid army and i really really like
0: this ability i think it's very potent no absolutely and it just gives you options like you said amon i guess what i'm saying is like grievous is kind of sneaky because we're going to talk about how he's basically a missile that kills anything he wants to kill but also he's bringing you all the support for your battle droid separatist army team right he's adding to that playstyle of what you're talking about which is this Million paper cuts of movement and little attacks that they're just happening the whole game, right? You have to endure like paper cut after paper cut after paper cut, right? Of just them doing what they want to do. So I I think it's super exciting. And I think obviously it's a huge element of his card. But keep in mind, he is very fast. So you don't want to get too far away from your supporting characters, right? You don't want to like run away from them and not get the stability off. I agree. Which, Jesse,
1: brings us to quite possibly. One of the more interesting parts and this iconic line that we've referenced a couple times now, which is his identity. Another fine addition to my collection. Fun fact, not only did Grievous collect lightsabers, but also Jedi Padawan braids.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's dark. That's dark. (laughs) Boba Fett collects Wookiee scalps, which is pretty dark, but Padawan braids is next level.
1: Going to his identity when a character in this unit wounds an enemy character. So when Grievous wounds an enemy unit. Yep. After the effect is resolved, Grievous can recover twice. And then, if the character that he wounded or the unit that he wounded was a force user, he can also refresh to force. Now, this is really exciting because A, you can keep Grievous online, whether it's removing conditions or healing him. But again, another specialist aspect of the Separatists is they have this great synergy and this playstyle of refunding and refreshing force. So not only do you have all these crazy abilities that allow you to move over here, shoot over here, pivot over here, do this, do that, but then if you start killing stuff, or get killed, in the case of Dooku, then you're just refreshing Force, and you can do it all over again.
0: This is also why I'm so high and I've been training your Jedi Arts, not because I think it's an absolutely amazing ability, but I, I've come to the conclusion that Separatists can spin Force with Reckless Abandon. Absolutely. That's a good point, especially if Duke is in your squad. and. Another fine addition of my collection triggers off of the, I've been trading your Jedi arts, which is very thematic. Let's say you're just attacking a clone, but then you just get that two more damage on a Jedi. Okay, you paid two and you got two back. Very cool. I think this identity is absolutely amazing. Like thematically, also playstyle wise, I think it just really works for the character and has me really excited because he's got this massive health pool, but we're about to talk about his defenses, Amon, which aren't that great. So it's also helping him sustain.
1: It is. And I do want to quickly jump back to the point you made about how separatists maybe have a little bit more of a lax nature when it comes to spending that force. I was having a very interesting conversation earlier today about Shatterpoint and how while being smart with your force is a skill that you will learn and continue to improve upon in this game, it also heavily depends on the faction or the strategy that you're trying to implement. You know, I think Republic, you have to be very conservative with your force because you're playing hero point, right? Where you have these big heavy hitters who come in and want to do cool things. And I really like that point you just made, Jesse, and that separatists kind of can be a bit more casual or lax in their spending because if things work out, they can get that force back and can be rewarded for that. Which again, I do think I have been trained in your Jedi arts is a situationally
0: excellent ability because when it pops up, it can win you a game. Yeah, it could just win you a point, right? And score that struggle. But no, I think Separatists can and should spend force more aggressively with Reckless Abandon, like I said. And I say that because every Separatist player I've played now, I'm on, they've always got like a force or two left before they shuffle their deck, right? It's because of these abilities, because of the nature of things like that. And imagine if they spent two more force, right? And then you add Dooku into the mix and you already have more force innately, and it starts getting. The machine starts really feeding itself, which is super cool. But we've got to talk about Grievous's stance card, and I think it's very exciting. I do too. And I
1: actually think we should start with Cunning Warlord. I agree. So, Cunning Warlord allows Grievous to have a range five, seven dice attack and a melee attack of six dice, defense of five on both. Now, he's got three sets of expertise here his defensive expertise is called cybernetic enhancements one to two expertise turns a opposing crit into a regular hit and it allows grievous to dash and then three plus expertise gives him a block a reposition and then still turns that crit into a regular hit now before we get into the offensive expertise jesse i just want to get your thoughts on his defensive characteristics well
0: first of all i like these defenses i on because Anytime you downgrading crits and getting free movement, it always trips your opponent up. Case in point, I've been playing a lot of Ahsoka lately, and she gets to do a lot of movement on her defense. And so that's no different with this dash and the full reposition. But I think the coolest part of these elements you just talked about is we've got our first primary with a range five range attack, which is unusual at this point in the game. I'm sure that will change in the future but right now it's super cool and unusual and you know also unusual on a saber wielder as well right
1: i agree i mean i think people do forget grievous did carry a blaster he uses it oh in yeah. the movies in the
0: show as well he named it the annihilator wow he really has a thing for names it might actually be like the it could be like the actual name of the manufacturer but i doubt it i think
1: he named it the annihilator i love that for him in legends terms of the names here his name is general grievous because after his wife dies he said that he will grieve every day for the rest of his life talk about hardcore yeah doesn't grieve for those padawans though (laughs) no he doesn't (laughs) (laughs) all right let's go to his offensive expertise here dt57 annihilator blaster one to two expertise two hits three expertise a crit and a hit four plus two crits
0: pretty nice for a guy that it's not doing range very much. This, it's nice when you have to switch to it. Uh, this, it's pretty good expertise, really. I mean, you'll take two for two or one for two. Yeah, I'll take that. One for two is awesome. Yeah, it feels really good, too.
1: Now, if he manages to get in melee, one to three expertise gives him a crit and a hit. So one expertise giving you a crit and a hit is pretty solid. Four plus two crits and a hit. So this doesn't
0: scale very much, but I think at, you know it's a high floor. 100%. It's cool we well, let's talk about this tree i because this is his warlord tree. So presumably this is him at the back of the battle leading the troops, you know, stuff like that.
1: It's General Grievous at his best, running away and staying out of tight spots. That's right. So we're going to start his tree out with a shove and two damage, which I actually think is pretty incredible. It's good. Yeah. Shove off the rip is awesome. You could just win a point and score it. Yeah. At range five as well. You know, you really need to just shove someone off. You get one expertise and it's guaranteed. I love it. I like it a lot. Now, from there, the second tile is a pin and two damage. So, we're doing a shove, a pin, and four damage just two tiles in, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Now, from here, this is where you can choose really kind of what you're going for in the moment. You can go upwards, and you can get a jump and a damage, which makes sense. Grievous has jumped a lot, especially in the Gandhi show. And then continuing on the fourth tile, if you've taken the upper route towards the jump, you get another shove and a damage. So that tree culminates in doing two damage. So if you do that whole tree, you're doing eight damage, two shoves, a pin, and a jump, which is really good, especially at range five.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot.
1: Now, if you stick down the more linear path or the straight path, after we have that four damage, the shove and the pin, this is where it changes up a little bit. You can get two recovers. Nice. I like that. He's retreating, you know, catching a breath, if you will, maybe coughing in the corner. Yep. And then from there we can jump to the next tile, which is a reposition and a damage and then culminating finally in that two damage. So in this bottom tree, you're only doing seven damage, but you get a reposition two recovers, a pin, and a shove.
0: Yeah, this could get you on a point too, right? With this reposition, right? So Mm -hmm. it's very cool. Also keep in mind, now that we're talking about the tree, let's pretend like you maybe paid for Scuttle on your turn. Well, and you're shooting on the side or or you're attacking on the side, well, now you could use that reposition if you want to climb instead, right? So you've got options there as well. So I know the top path gives you jump, which is just as good, if not better than a climb. But if you really want to go the bottom path all the way, you could still presumably climb if things are set up in a correct way.
1: Yeah, I think it incentivizes you to do that if you need the recovers as well. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So that's Cunning Warlord. Let's jump to quad arm attack, which is nutso. That's right. And then we can talk about Grievous as a whole. Oh, boy. So no ranged profile on this side in terms of offense. One thing that you'll notice immediately, it's a bit of an eyesore on this side, unfortunately, is four defense on both ranged and melee, which it's low. I guess when he's got all four arms out and he's just starting to spin in helicopter style. All aggro, no defense.
0: Yeah. And let's keep in mind his other defense was only five. It was... Pretty bad for a primary, right? But we are going in the, with this knowing that he has some of the highest health pool in the game, recovers, things like that. If you're playing him, that is true.
1: Melee, he's got eight dice, which is nice.
0: We're looking at Anakin numbers now.
1: Yeah. I played a friendly game where I used Grievous with Vader, <laughs> and Grievous already was in combat. So I focused, then I paid the two damage for the three extra dice, and I'm rolling 12 dice. And let's just say, He went boom. And let's talk about how he does that. So, very quickly, defensive expertise, one expertise, one block, two expertise, two blocks. Not very exciting. Super solid, though.
0: You you can count on... It's good enough. Yeah. One for one, two for two. You feel good about rolling the four dice now, I'll say, because now you're looking at probably, like, two or three defense when you roll just four dice now, which just feels fine. I mean, for as low as dice that they are. And that's a
1: great Point about defense and shatter point in general. It feels great because the expertises really make a difference.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Now, this is where the money maker is right here. This lightsaber offensive melee expertise. Where the fun begins. It's got, yeah, dude, this is the fun's been happening at this point. Yeah. One to two, a crit and a hit. Silly. Great. Three expertise, two crits and a damage. And if you happen to roll the nutso which is for expertise, you're getting two crits and two damage,
0: which is crazy because we're about to see how much damage his tree does. And you add two more on top of that. If he gets the Yahtzee gets all his expertise, he wants and goes down his tree. He's taken out any model in the game. Uh, as of this point in the game, he just is.
1: Yeah. He one shots, everything, even with protection.
0: Yeah. He even like overkills all most stuff, right? If you, yeah. if you get that expertise, of course, as well.
1: You can hit Vader for 13. It's happened to me before. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have been one-shot fully by a Grievous, and now we'll tell you how and why. So Grievous has effectively two paths that start at the same point. Off the jump, two damage, flat. Excellent place to start. That's like Anakin levels of good, and it gets better. So we'll start in the linear tree first. We're just going to go down a straight line. So we start at two damage, second tile, two more damage. Okay, third tile, a shove and a damage, fourth tile, a shove and a damage, fifth tile, two damage, sixth tile, a reposition and two damage. So what we're looking at here is 10 damage, a reposition and two shoves
0: without expertise. Without expertise. Exactly. 10 damage is going to get most stuff in the game. We know that. And the reposition is great because presumably you scuttled, right? So once again, another instance of climb if you need it to get away. Very thematic of Grievous, killing something important and then out of dodge, or reposition and score a point. I love
1: it. Now this other part here is pretty spicy, just because I didn't think we'd ever see a tile with that many damage signs on it. No. Here we are. So, this upper tile is only five spots versus the six spots below, and it starts again with that two damage. Once we start jumping up, the second tile is three damage. So, if you just get like three expertise, you're doing five damage, actually six damage because of the expertise trigger as well. Yeah which is crazy. The third tile, two damage. Fourth tile is a little lackluster with a disarm. But if you can make it to the fifth tile, this is the real money maker right here. Four damage. Crazy. That's a lot of damage. That's 11 on the top with a disarm. And then when you get your expertise involved, so Jesse was saying,
0: if you roll perfectly, you're doing 13 damage. Yeah, and even if you roll just kind of okay, you're probably getting 12, right? Which is yeah. just going to get rid of most models in the game. So Absurd. Absurd is the right word, unless he really
1: flubs his role, which can happen. For sure. Same issues that Anakin has and Vader and some of the more aggressive pieces.
0: This is similar to our Maul conversation, right? Like Maul can do damage upwards of this range, but it takes him a little bit more down the tree. We talked about Maul like, doing 11 damage, for instance, right, in our Maul episode, which gets most models, right? But Grievous just does it so consistently. Like Amon alluded to, you could go two or three spots down this tree and get in, like an expertise or two, and you're looking at something like eight damage on a model right which is just going to get most models in the game especially struggle two onward where everybody's teed up a little bit it's incredible this is what it looks like when you get four sabers in you it hurts it really hurts not coming back from that i think if you were to look at grievous's tree first which i think a lot of people do they're like holy crap so much damage this is insane but then they look at his card and they're like oh that seems manageable, or something like that, but then they forget about the power of his support abilities. I think we'll talk about that while we talk about him now, so obviously he's a point and click missile that's going to remove most models in the game. when I say remove, give them a token, wound something, but he's got to do more than just that to win you the game, right that's <laughs> cool that he can do that and I say he's a missile because like well, I talked about how fast he is on top of this damage that can strike anybody in time. I think he can reposition between objectives really well and get to a new target every turn, right?
1: Yeah, I would even go so far as to say he's a glass nuke. Yeah, for sure. You just point him in the right direction and he goes, boom. I agree with you, Jesse, that it is a little simple to play and it's actually highly telegraphed yeah, for with sure. what you're probably going to do with Grievous if you're playing against him.
0: That being said, I still think it's very hard for your opponent to stop you from doing it. Yeah, and then Appetite for Destruction and Fine Addition to my collection, when those get going, it's nice.
1: Now, imagine if you have Kraken, Kalani, and Grievous, you have three different units that can help units dash, make five dice attacks, and I think he's doing a lot for you. A, if you one-shot something, that's a momentum. If it happens to be a Force user, which, spoiler, there's a lot in Shatterpoint, then not only is he keeping himself topped off, But he's also refreshing you too, Force, which allows you to do more shenanigans and be more lax with your spending because you have an excess of force to spend. I like it. I mean, he's not super, I think he has a low floor because he's not hard to play. I think, and honestly, I don't even know the ceiling's that high either, if I'm going to be honest, right? Like he kills stuff, he helps move other stuff. I think the placement might be important. Yeah, for sure. But you also kind of get a little bit of a
0: pass with that because. It's forgiving he's on a large base, right? Yeah. I think also too, maybe to give some credit, people probably are sleeping on this warlord side of his stance, right? Completely agree. Some of the things he can do defensively on that side and obviously from range, he's a shove right out the gate I'm on is a big deal with a range five gun, right? So I mean, he can do really cool thing across from him at other points, right? With that form. I just don't think people are probably thinking of him in that form as they probably necessarily shouldn't be because he is this nuke on the other side so something i think we'll pursue and look at over time as a community i think is we'll be examining his second form a little bit more i hope and i think so
1: i agree i think that's a really good point jesse i think probably better grievous players out there will utilize cunning warlord as they should because they themselves are becoming cunning warlords while playing this game that's right i do like the fact that his identity triggers off the range attack as well so if you roll pretty hot from range, you still get to refresh that force as well and recover, which is nice because maybe you can then maybe recover four. You know, maybe you're just trying to top it off and finish an enemy character. So obviously, you want to keep him in Cunning Warlord as well if you want him to survive. Maybe you're facing like a gunline list. Yeah, for sure. Maybe more Republic or a Separatist mirror match, or you know who knows? Maybe bounty hunters when we eventually see those come out. So I like Grievous. I don't know. There's an interesting conversation to be had, Jesse, because Asajj and Grievous kind of do the same thing. Oh, interesting. They're both assassins, right? Yeah. Their job is to go out there and hunt enemy primaries and secondaries.
0: Yeah, I think Grievous does it more in raw damage and Asajj does it more with kind of like her ability to pivot, right? Because she's so versatile. Uh, which one do you want, I guess? Which one do you like? And and that's the interesting question because you can run Asajj,
1: Kraken, Kalani, and Grievous all together, Right. And you can still have a lot of that separatist horsepower, if you will, from the secondaries shoving everybody around. And then you have these two absolute beat sticks running around and literally just stabbing and slashing everybody. And I think there's a conversation to be had. I don't know if that's better than the Dooku and Grievous or Dooku Assage. But, you know, as you mentioned in our Republic episode, our episodes are naturally going to get longer because there's just more synergies about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure and there's more rabbit holes to dive through, but I think this is a compelling conversation to have because sure. I originally was thinking maybe Grievous and Dooku was the way to go because I also like the fact that Dooku's giving you that 4 Force. but I'm now starting to think that maybe you could just do Grievous assage, run down the board, still have that wave effect with your secondaries, and then beating people up in combat. You have ranged onslaught, melee onslaught. It seems very interesting to me, and I would love to explore that over maybe the course of this league or another
0: league, right? No, I agree completely. I think also, like, let's not forget, you could probably just run Grievous Mall and do a similar strategy, right? Of just like, most stuff mm-hmm. down, pull stuff off with Mall's force pull, win points. Let's also not forget that some of the Dathomirians coming, Savage in particular, have the Separatist keyword. There's a lot of things that can be in place. Maybe in the future we have a Dathomirian Grievous list, right? or we have a all-separatist list, but without Dooku. We don't lean super heavily on Dooku's force pool and his identity. I'm unsure. I stand by what we said in the last episode and what we've been saying on our bonus feed and obviously in the Discord a lot. Separatists can kind of just build whatever they want right now, as long as you have Kalani, <laughs> and just play the way you want to play and have fun and probably win some games too. Completely agree. I definitely think Separatists are the team to beat
1: at this stage in the game. Obviously, this is a very ever-shifting meta with the sheer number of releases that have already come out but have yet to release that we already have hard dates for right obviously subject to change but it's exciting and i think if you're playing premiere or showdown grievous is an excellent addition for your separatist team but you can just have a primary that can just slot into more of like a best unit style yeah, list like that mall likes to do like you said you could take Grievous small, and then the two best secondaries and the two best supporting units. And you could probably do quite a bit of
0: damage out there as well. So I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah, I want to definitely play a lot of Grievous in the future. And this episode makes me want to do it more. But continuing our episode I'm on, we got to move on to Kraken, the super tactical droid in this box with Grievous. So Kraken was a ST series super tactical droid. I talked about In the Colony episode, in great detail, how the super tactical droids replaced the T series tactical droids later in the war because they're just so much better in every way. Most notably, I think Kraken's known for serving under Admiral Trench, who's one of the greatest military strategists of the entire Separatist Army, someone I really enjoy a lot. I love his design, of course, the spider theme, but also that he's this old grizzled Admiral as well. So Kraken worked a lot with Trench, which is kind of where he's most known for. Kraken has a lot less screen time than Kalani, right? He is probably the second most famous super tactical droid, but he doesn't do as much as Kalani got to do in the canon, especially because Kalani shows up later in things like Star Wars Rebels. So Kraken was one of these greatest leaders of the droid section of the armies, but he came in contact with Anakin a couple times. Anakin actually ended up destroying him one time and the Confederacy rebuilt him. They built his core and they just rebuilt him a new body. But what's fun about that interaction is he was punching Anakin in the face and stuff. I mean, he was no slouch. I mean it wasn't like Anakin just walked in and he was done. Kraken put up a fight a little bit. He was beating him with those arms because you know keep in mind these super tactical droids are pretty big stature. They are six four or taller sometimes. But Anakin beat down Kraken in that fight. And then Kraken serves with Duku after that for some time. He's crucial in the invasion of the planet Scipio, and he also is part of the whole storyline with Senator Clovis. Which I don't want to spoil anything with that and the Clone Wars story because that is important. And he works with the banking clan a lot, helps Duku win some battles, but eventually Kraken's service to Duku ends after the count has been transferred to the Invisible Hand right before the events of Revenge of the Sith. So we actually have not seen Kraken since you know, kind of the end of the Clone Wars, you know what happens to the separate destroyed army from the Kalani episode. Of course, when Order 66 takes place and then Anakin, now Darth Vader, goes in and murders the entire Separatist High Council on Mustafar, they have Viceroy shut down all the droids. So presumably Kraken is shut down and his division is shut down at that time as well. So yeah, I think notable things about Kraken is he's a little bit more aggressive than Kalani but he's still the kind of from the same programming. There's these brilliant strategists, right? And uh, Kraken also is known to be a little bit more in the battle itself. And we'll see that represented on his card today. But he looks very similar to Kalani, except he has more of the tentacles on his coloring, which is super cool. Obviously evocative of his name of Kraken, but that's about it on him today, Amon. What I also think is really interesting about Kraken, Jesse, is that he survives the Clone Wars. Like Kalani does. Like Kalani. Yeah, it's that type of thing where the product was so good you know they made these guys too good in the case of Klani, Klani's like no i'm not shutting down myself or my droids my army i'm just going to hold out on this planet cuz it's a republic trap yeah i just think it's very cool these guys are they're pretty cold calculated droids but they also have a little bit of personality i agree it's very exciting i wish there was more
1: lore to discuss but i think we did spend a lot of time on Grievous. spent about an hour on the primary if not a little longer and generally the secondary supporting units we make up for lost time here but hey i know some of our patrons at least have been telling us they're enjoying our longer episodes i've heard that a lot i hope you are i've heard that one of those people let's start with kraken here 10 stamina 2 durability very fair and pretty solid for a secondary i think 10 is on the higher side we generally see nine he's a point cost of four he brings zero force and he is a single character unit and he has the tags
0: Battle Droid, Droid and Separatist Alliance. All the stuff you would expect, but cool to actually read it all out, you know. And once again on, I love that these droids have these high health pools all of them, you know. The supports, the secondaries, Grievous himself, I know he's not a droid, but he's got droid body parts. It's very cool how it's just represented in raw stamina. I agree. I mean,
1: I think aside from the B1s, Generally, we've seen like B2s and additional types of droids take a hit or two and just keep walking. And I do like that the density and the toughness of the droids is evident in their stamina.
0: Yeah. And the B1s are even harder to remove with non-primary models, right? Because they have nine with protection if they're on a point. So it's yeah. like they're just the tankiest chaff units we have in the game thus far, which is very thematic. Absolutely. And speaking of
1: theme here, he is a super tactical droid and he is a separatist character, which probably means he has a tactical ability. <laughs> and it's called Do Not Let Them Escape. At the start of this unit's activation, you may choose this unit or an allied battle droid supporting unit as of time of recording B1's, B2's, Magna
0: Guard. Each character in the chosen unit may dash. Yeah, so this is just a weaker version of Kalani's. I mean, we just said it a second ago, we kind of glossed over quickly, but obviously Kalani costs five, Kraken costs four. I think it's fair for a four point. Yeah. A free dash for himself or an ally is very versatile and strong. It's just not everyone's Kalani where it's like, oh, I top deck Kalani. (laughs) My models are almost to the midline (laughs) for my models, right? So not everybody can be Kalani. And I like that this is just another dash in your endless dashes of Dooku. Grievous, Kalani, like Kraken now. So cool. Free movements from the Magna Guards, right? It's an excellent ability. I
1: really like it. And I might sound like a broken record, but again, that, that droid
0: wave is coming. Unavoidable. We'll continue on, Amon. We've got one active ability, and it's going to look very familiar. It's called the Tactical Network. costs one force. Choose another allied battle droid character within range four of Kraken. The chosen character may dash, then may gain a hunker, remove one condition from itself or make a five dice attack. So if you're following along at home, you don't have to dash, but you may. Then you auto gain a hunker and then you get to do one of these last clauses. Correct, Mon?
1: Absolutely. So if you are pinned, you don't get to remove the condition before doing the dash. It specifically states you have to dash first. Yeah, smart. Which side tangent, I know people like to look down upon the 212th But I think they're a really good supporting unit when facing against the Separatists because they slap pins like crazy. And that's really good to slow
0: down that wave that we've been referencing. Very good, yeah. Also, the tactical network being online on this character and on Kalani, if you run them both together, now you really are getting kind of scary like Amon was alluding to earlier. You're getting all these free attacks. I call them free attacks. Attacks outside of activation for all your droids, right? And then, of course, this just scales the more powerful droids you attack with, right? So, obviously, even better with Magnus and B2s.
1: Absolutely. And if you're running both characters, Kraken Kalani also has an ability, Target Concentrate All Firepower. So, it says you're making a five-dice attack, but if you're within range four of another battle droid, you're actually making free out-of-action six-dice attacks because it doesn't specify attack action just as attack. Yeah, Kalani is giving everybody more dice. It's very scary. I think Jesse's absolutely spot on in that. If you run both super tactical droids in conjunction at the same time, which as their stature demonstrates, it is an amazing. Imagine if Kraken and Kalani were on the same battlefield. Like Whoever they're fighting, they're SOL, my guy. That's right.
0: It's looking pretty rough.
1: Now moving alongside Kraken, you're going to see a familiar ability here, complete analysis. This is a innate ability. Same as Kalani, when you spend force to place this unit's order card in reserve, you just spend one less force, so effectively, you can always reserve super tactical droids for free.
0: I'll say I think this is even cooler on this character than Kalani, because typically with Kalani, obviously not the game state of every game, but often with Kalani, you want to go with him early in rounds, get all those free moves for all your team and stuff with his tax ability. Kraken, you might want to go in the mid of the round or something like that, and you know, I think his next ability is going to paint the picture of that as well. But yeah, just putting him in reserve for free, also super cool way. I'm on to just get through your deck, get to that grievous Sudoku faster.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like the order deck manipulation. It gives you a little bit of control. And you know, again, I think some of the challengers of the order deck system will say that it's a bit too random. But I think you're starting to see. That if you really want to, you can influence it quite heavily, especially with the ability to save on force and reserve and
0: do things like that. Most certainly. In closing out his card, he has one final innate ability called the Conqueror's Resolve. While a character in this unit is contesting one or more active objectives, it has protection and steadfast.
1: I mean, that's pretty incredible given the fact that he's got 10 health.
0: Yeah. And not being shoved on that first shove too. So it, it just proves that he really does want to be kind of deeper in the fight.
1: Yeah, he is a more battle-oriented tactical droid, as you say, lead from the front, whereas Kalani is more so standing, maybe from like an outpost
0: looking. For sure.
1: He's like Cody and Rex. 100%. Well said. Now going to Ruthless logic, which is Kraken's stance, we're going to see a ranged five ranged attack. With seven dice and a melee attack of five dice. A little bit better than Kalani on the melee defense with four and four instead of Kalani's four and three. And again, I think that leads credence to the theme that you're stating is he leads from the front. Yeah. And he punched Anakin. He did punch Anakin. I forgot about that entirely. His self-preservation expertise is going to look super familiar because I believe it's the same as Kalani's. One to two, one block, three to four, two blocks, five plus, two blocks, and a reposition. I think this may be one of the first instances where we see an expertise level that is higher than the character's defensive stat at base. Yeah. Hunkers, I guess, you know? Yeah, for sure. And cover, but...
0: Ooh, cover. Magna guards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Now we have the bash, which is his melee expertise. One to two is a hit. Or a strike, three expertise is
0: a crit, four plus two crits. This is way better than Kalani. So Kalani's is one to three, one hit, four plus one crit. That's it for Kalani. So once again, Kalani is not punching. He's just got his arms behind his back hanging out. Kraken's a little bit more willing to punch people. He is. He is, but doesn't mean he's good at it. No,
1: but seeing crits is nice, at least. Seeing crits is nice, yeah. It's better than Kalani, which... I guess we're comparing the two. Then we have the E5 Blaster Pistol. One Expertise is one crit, which we love that. We do. Two Expertise is a crit
0: and two additional strikes. The same as Kalani. I've learned that Kalani shoots hard. Kalani does a crap ton of damage. Yeah. Seven dice. Basically, you're just getting crits if you have an Expertise show up, right? I think Kalani actually might have one of the best combat trees, period. It's very good. But now we got to talk about Kraken's tree, which is definitely different from Kalani's tree. It's different. The shape is very different, too. The shape is different. It kind of looks like a, a Corellian starship. Corellian Corvette.
1: Well said. Corvette. That's right. Okay. So we have two starting points here. We can either start with a pin and a damage or a shove and a damage. Pretty useful depending on who you're up against. The second tile for both of them is a shove and two damage which is pretty solid. Again, you get two shoves in the first two stances, or tiles, rather. It's pretty nice. Now, from here, the trees kind of pan out in similar ways. You can either keep going straight. You get a free active ability, which we like that, similar to Kalani. You get a third shove, and then you end with two damage. Or you can go from that second tile of a shove and two damage to two damage, then to the shove and two damage. So your third step is where you have the choice, really. Okay your first and third steps. Otherwise, everything else is pretty much the same. So whether you want that active ability, which I really like that it gives you that flexibility because maybe you already use the active
0: ability, right? So then you can just focus on that damage. Yeah, and seven damage is respectable, right? If you go the path, it gives you the most damage. Of course, going that path avoids the free ability, which also can give you more damage, right? Because you can attack with another battle droid nearby and get an out-of-activation attack. So it's tough to say. Kalani definitely does more damage. Kalani does nine damage if he finishes his whole tree, which is pretty impressive. But seven is also not bad on a secondary, Amon, because I like how many pushes are here. The fact that he has three shoves is pretty nice
1: and leads to the idea that you're painting of him where he's more of a brawler slash bruiser type of droid. Now looking at Kraken as a whole, obviously, if you're just going to compare Kalani and Kraken, Kraken is not as good as Kalani. But I don't think that's fair because we're not necessarily comparing apples to apples. We're comparing apples to oranges because of this four-point cost. And I think the true benefit of Kraken is that he has four points. It's his cost, right? It's the cost, yeah. It gives you so much more flexibility when it comes to building your separatist teams. And particularly with Dooku,
0: right? Yep, well said. Yeah, because now you can run another droid instead of Jango if you want and just throw a three-point support droid. So as of time of recording, that's B1s or Magna's, and you get all droid synergy with a powerful piece like Dooku, right?
1: Yeah, which I really like. I think what I've also come to realize, and we've talked about this a little bit on our last episode, is that Jango works great with Maul and Maul is a great fourth character, fourth primary for these premier lists. So maybe you just remove Jango from the equation. And your three secondaries you run are
0: Kraken, Kalani, and Savage. Yeah, that'd be fun as well. That'd be really fun. And some Separatist stuff going on too, right? Also, I do like that Kraken opens the door to the model we're about to talk about shortly, the B2s, which are the most costly support for the Separatists thus far, that they just frankly can't play in a lot of situations. If you're building around this idea of, I'd like to have Kalani and or Dooku in my Separatist list, right? in saying that you've got two very pricey models and it constricts things. So this opens some doors to different list building you're saying I'm on, but also just more dreads on the table because the points just work out better.
1: And I think that's again, Kraken's biggest strength is that flexible nature of the list building. And I think it really does appetite for destruction as a box really blows open the separatist flexibility and synergies a lot more. And I really, really like that. Because as someone who likes to play different things, things could become very stale for me
0: very quickly. It's exciting. Because, you know, Republic is getting so much. It's also cool, too, because now, like, in that, you can remove Kalani from Assage, right? Like, you can bring Kraken B2s with Assage, for instance, now. You just got options, right? And you play the Separatists you want to play.
1: Yeah. It just doesn't feel bad when you're taking an eight-point character and you are trying to jam a five and a three. Now you can just take two
0: fours. Yeah, options are good. And that leads us right into what that 4 is, Amon, which is the B2 Battle Droids. So, of course, we're going to talk about them in lore real quick. So, they were also known as the Super Battle Droids, and they were an advanced version of the B1 chassis, essentially. So, essentially, the Separatists wanted to really up the ante in battle, and the B1s are pretty flimsy, as we know. So, essentially, you build off of the B1 chassis, and you make this... Bulkier, heavy armored version of the B1 with wrist cannons, which is also very exciting. Because these guys were bigger, you could have specialist heavy weapons guys within these squads as well. So you had the B2 HA, which is like more of a minigun type thing, or you have the B2 Rocket launcher guy. So you've got options with these as well. Definitely scarier than the B1s. They typically don't talk, but also means that they have less learning than the B1s in some ways, which is kind of interesting. Like they're just more just like, these are that relentless droid advance. They're all about just kind of walking straight in. They don't care about cover. they've just got the armor, and they're just gonna lay down fire on you. Similar to the strategy with the B ones, right, but now you're adding an armor element into it, right. And also keep in mind, too, they were very strong. They were strong enough to lift like a grown person off the ground so like they could frequently just pick up a clone and throw them. you know, also very tall, and because they were top heavy. They did have a gyrosphere in their body to keep them from toppling over, which is something the Jedi learn throughout the war. They learn that they are top heavy and they jump over them and knock them down and stuff. And B2s can't get off the ground, which is also very, it's just a fun little lore tidbit. It's kind of like when the Jedi figure out how to beat the Droidicus, right? So not much more to say about the D2s other than they were really, really terrifying. Like I mentioned, though, there was other versions of them, like the B2 Ha, which it had a cannon arm. You also had some B-2 RPs, which were B-2s with jetpacks, so they had flight capabilities. And then you had some other B-2s with basically larger wrist guns, so like the B-2 ACM. Just think the same type of B-2, but with more guns in its wrists to lay down more fire. Of course, the B-2s also first appeared in Attack of the Clones, and it was a big deal. Because the unveiling of them was very scary, right? And it was kind of up in the ante and making the war happen. Dooku's saying, I formed this alliance, but I've got a new army as well. Like there's just layers to it. And of course, you then later on, we got the BX droids, which are one of my personal favorites the droid commandos. So they were always looking to innovate, and the B2s were definitely an innovation. And they're just tanky, scary guys. They are kind of synonymous with our clone commandos we did recently.
1: Yeah, the BX Commando droids are wild. The BXs are wild. I hope they come to this game. Me too. Speaking of the top-heavy thing, very quick spoilers for Mandalorian Season 3, so maybe skip the next 10 seconds. But there's this really fun episode where they live in this like utopia planet with Lizzo and Jack Black kind of run the planet. It's pretty funny, actually. And the B2s are like used as construction droids.
0: Yeah, because they can lift heavy stuff and... Yeah, yeah, I've also never seen a B2 run that fast in my life, and I was very terrified.
1: I was too. It kind of gave me Terminator vibes, yeah, didn't it? For sure, I think that's probably the intention. Very nice. Well, let's jump into their playstyle in Shatterpoint, the game we've mentioned a couple times now. Four point cost, which is a first for Separatists. Yeah, it's gonna matter, right, with your list building. They're a tool in your tool belt to help you list build. That's right. Eight stamina, two durability, B2 battle droid droid
0: separatist alliance and trooper yep looks like the b1 tags you know because we got a b2 so it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah it's really interesting because good card art a lot of tags but as we're going to talk about not very many abilities similar to the
0: b1s in fact i think the b1s have four different abilities they only have three yeah so worth mentioning absolutely and keep in mind while we are framing this discussion they do have that large base
1: they do have that large base. Very nice. Active ability called relentless advance. Spend a force. Each character in this unit may dash. It's like defensive maneuver, but without the hunker.
0: Yeah. I think if you gave him a hunker, it'd be kinda it'd be good. Maybe too good. This can get them to an ingress point or something, right? And you know, we've always talked about in the game how strong just movement abilities are that don't require you to actually take an advance action, so You'll take anything you got. Also, on a larger base, this little dash is faster. It adds up, man. It certainly does. In fact, I think a dash
1: on a larger base is not as long, but kind of keeps
0: up with an advance on a small base. Almost, yeah. Most certainly. It's pretty efficient. There's no terrain in the way.
1: Yeah. That's another thing we'll talk about about Separatists in a moment, about how terrain really impacts their game plan. Well, let's jump to their second and only reactive ability, Mm -hmm saturation fire cost of force when a character in this unit targets an enemy character that is contesting one or more active objectives with an attack this unit may use this ability add two dice to the attack roll now for framing of this conversation they have a ranged attack profile of six and they have a melee attack profile of five so what we're doing is we could potentially bump
0: this up to eight and seven what are your thoughts jesse yeah i'll pay one for two Especially in the Separatist life where I have so much force, right? (laughs) So I think it's something you probably want to do with them fairly often. And we're going to get into their tree. And I think it's going to make more sense how often we want to do it. But spoiler alert, they have a lot of damage on their tree and on their expertise. So if anything, this is just a good way to help you guarantee some expertise, in my opinion.
1: I agree. And I really like the thematicism behind this ability. You know, I can kind of just see them like do, 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 and then they get like an (laughs) alert, oh, over there. And then they just all pause, turn around, and then do, 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 do in that direction. You can envision it. I know you can.
0: They just keep walking and they're still, they just keep shooting. Yeah. So many shots coming in. Absolutely. It's
1: crazy when you see two of them. Like, oh, yeah. They usually are only lifting one hand. Sometimes they lift two hands and walk.
0: 100%. People
1: don't realize the guns are on both. I know we went
0: from one E5 blaster rifle on B1s to two guns in each arm that are never dropped in combat, right? Very smart and innovative for the Separatist army. But closing out their card, I'm on. They have one innate ability called Enhanced Blast Armor. That's the Blast Armor I talked about in lore. Characters in this unit have protection. They don't have to meet any requirements like the B1s. They don't have to be by a point like Kraken or the B1s. So yeah, now they're looking... Real nice, because protection really adds up.
1: Well, we sang the praises of the Republic clone commandos with only being six health with protection. They have eight health and larger bases and have protection.
0: It's pretty impressive. Very Very nice. nice. Yeah, and I love that Kraken has it too. So like, if you really want to run them with Kraken, like you've got a really defensive squad to hold a flank of the board.
1: Which I think makes perfect sense in the context of this box, because Grievous is just going to be eating himself all over the board. And he's not very defensive. No. So you have him being out there, being that missile or that nuke we talked about, and then them kind of holding down the fort. I like that. Suppression protocol. This is their stance. We talked about this. A range five, six dice attack for offense, and then a five dice melee attack. We have four range defense, and unfortunately, the droid effect here, where we have three in melee. They don't like being
0: punched. Droids don't like to be tied up in melee.
1: Yeah, to be fair, they also need to have a weakness, but it is thematic, which I do appreciate from a balance and a design perspective. So kudos to AMG. Three different expertises here. Armored Shell, one to two defensive expertise is a block, three plus two blocks.
0: It's fine. Could be better. It's the way. They don't like defensive expertise. Can't have it all, Jesse. They can't.
1: Especially when they're churned out from that assembly line. That's right. That's right. Melee. Expertise is called Bash, one to two, one strike, three plus, one crit. Again, while they can punch you pretty hard, they probably won't. No.
0: So hopefully they can get out of combat and just shoot you with range, right?
1: Yeah. Now, this is where we get a little bit more interesting. And you kind of mentioned this already, but the wrist mounted blaster for the ranged expertise, one expertise, guaranteed one auto damage, two expertise, guaranteed two auto damage.
0: Kind of like that. Very unusual for a support to have this, like, just auto damage. I think it's super cool and very thematic of these guys laying down fire with their tons of shots from their wrist cannons.
1: No, it's good, and it again it reminds me of the Republic Clone Commandos for sure, because the Commandos have that coordinated fire with the damage. So it's not necessarily as potent or as readily accessible through that expertise. But I think these are like the two mirrors of one another for both of the main Clone Wars. Most factions. certainly. So, let's go down this tree. This tree's pretty solid. I like yeah. it. It's small. Options and damage. Options and damage. We like those. So, we start out with a shove and a damage again. Starting out with a
0: shove. Real nice. Keep in mind, too, Amon, when they do follow-ups, also very powerful on the larger base.
1: I'm really glad you mentioned that, because what I've noticed a lot in my Shatterpoint games is people forget to follow up. No, follow-ups win you games, because they position you for next turn. Yeah. But they can also allow you to have your cake and eat it too,
0: right? Yeah, sometimes you are just out of two of an objective.
1: Yeah, you just bump up and you get your attack instead of like, I'm going to hunker. No, if your first thing is a shove, generally your expertise is a crit or something, it's going to help you. Most certainly. Now from here, the second tile is two damage. Now we're going to continue on the straight path. There is a branch that we could follow, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Going in the straight line, the third path is a second shove and a damage, so this allows you to get around maybe some steadfast characters, though you're going to have to get a little bit decent with the dice here. Fourth tile is an expose and two damage, which we love exposed. Fifth tile culminates in three damage, because if at that point you've been lit
0: up, my friend. That's nine damage on a support. I like it. It's super commandos, but arranged. It's really good. They're doing a lot of mine, and that expose is really scary as well, because... We've been painting this picture of separatists getting outside of activation attacks, and now you're exposed and you're setting up, like, you're setting up so many things for the rest of your droids, right?
1: I like it. My Vader, I played my league game earlier today, and we'll talk about more in the bonus episode, but Vader got consistently exposed, and he's only got five defense, kind of has like a similar general grievous issue. Those five, six dice random out of activation attacks, they add up, and then if you keep slapping exposed... It's not good for Vader. No. Force users hate exposed in this game. That's why I love Maul, because he's the only character in this game who can choose to expose you before he attacks you. Pretty much every time, right? Because force means nothing to him. That's right. Sustained by rage. So just finishing out this tree here, we're again, we're going to start at shove into a damage, go to two damage. Now we take the bottom path, a reposition and a damage, which big base, fast. You slam this home. The big base is real fast. Next one is a pin and two damage, and then we go to that final three damage. So in this tree, again, you're doing the same amount of damage. So the two trees that you're really picking between is do you want a reposition or a shove, and then do you want an expose or a pin?
0: Yeah, and that keeps it real clean and simple for you, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm doing nine either way if I do the whole tree. So what do I want to do? What helps me win the game, right? Or what helps me position correctly? So yeah, I'm really digging these guys. I'm on a lot. The only thing I don't don't dig with them is they can't be run with Kalani as of this moment, unless Kalani is in your other team, of course, which is what you want. Right. Because I think these guys with Kalani are insane because he's given them seven dice on attack. He's tactical networking them, right? You're getting so much value out of them performing free attacks, right? So, And also getting those dashes, right? Really good for them. I also think of them getting the hunker and stuff and the recover on tactical network. Really good as well. I think these are the type of models that if they get really far up the map where you want them to be, they're a problem similar to Magnus, right? Which is very cool.
1: I agree. Completely agree. I think I like the V2s. I know some people say B1s and Magnus are just straight better. That might be the case, but you know, you're going to probably take them anyways in a Separatist designed premier list. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because that damage adds up a lot, especially especially when you're getting those super tactical droid out of activation attacks, and Grievous has one too,
0: that's where you really see that damage start spiking. For sure. I mean, they're definitely better than B1s. It's just a matter of, does it make sense for your list? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Mon, we're going to close out this episode like we always do. Talk about this box as a whole, though I think we've talked about it a lot throughout the episode. You've got this primary. It's kind of a solo, and then you've got the secondary and the support Play better together, right? Yeah, exactly. I think so. Not to be repetitive on the podcast,
1: right? I think we did do a good job of kind of talking about the units as they go, but cohesively, like if you were to take this box, open it, build it, put it on the table, it functions great. I mean, Grievous, Murderbot, Battle Droids, B2s, Murderbots from range, Tanky, Kraken gives you that flexibility and they all kind of drive home the separatist strengths and weaknesses, right? Strengths, a lot of movement, a lot of out of activation attacks, force refreshing. Weaknesses, don't like combat, and kind of maybe higher skill level because you kind of have to make sure that you're planning your activations and your turns in the correct order. But I think it's a good box, man. Like, I really like it. I think the miniatures are gorgeous. I think, They did a really good job with making Kraken look different from Kalani. Oh man,
0: he looks so great.
1: Yeah, and then again, the B2s, probably some of our favorite droids. They just look so nice, sleek. So I think this box plays well, and it slides right into the Separatist play style, which is that wave synergy moving around the board. And if you really like Dooku, then you will always have an assassin to pair him with, right? Whether it's Asajj or Grievous. And if you want to play Grievous in every list... Then just can flex into Duku or Asajj, depending on what it is that you're trying to do. But Duku also does a ton of damage. I think people have maybe caught on to the fact that sometimes you probably just ignore Duku. Yeah, but I still think it's it's solid. I mean, the Magna's work great with Grievous. Kalani works great with the B2s. There's so much interchangeable synergy. There's
0: a lot of things we got to figure out, right? Like there's a lot of things that people I don't think have tried yet. Like I, like, I think the Asajj and Grievous, like you said, is could be very potent. If in the hands of a good player. And I think you can get really interesting in that where it's like, oh, Grievous is bringing Kalani and the Magnus, and Assage is bringing Savage and either more Dathomarians or she's just bringing more droids, right, on her support slot. So, and just really lean into this archetype of I've got three characters, namely Assage, Grievous, and Savage, that are just going to do so much damage to you. You're not going to know what's happening, right? And meanwhile, my droids are going to be moving around the board, scoring points. So, I think there's a lot of versatility and a lot of flexibility to building the separatist list of your dreams. I just playing the characters you want to play because they're all good. I think I'm
1: very keen on experimenting with the separatist agenda, if you will. And I'm curious to see how they pair with the Dathmerian side of things because there's just a lot of innate synergies there. I like her. I, when I say her, I mean Coulson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Absolutely. I want to get Grievous on the table a, a lot more. So I'm, Intending to do that over the coming months for sure. And uh, he's a character I genuinely, deeply love in Star Wars. So I really want to see him on the table. And i um, on, you said earlier, model's incredible. So just get it out there. Yeah. Sexy miniature. Sell this game to people. They walk by and they see that model. I see him on that Jedi statue too. And if it's well painted on top of that, man, got some new people into the game, hopefully.
1: Yeah. And I will say the Shatterpoint stuff is fairly easy, it's painter friendly. Oh, good point.
0: Yeah. And it scales well, too, right? To your skill level. Absolutely. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode, Jesse. Hello There is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Hello There patron by going to patreon.com slash hellothercast. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at hellothercast. And you can email us at hellotheircast at gmail.com. Please leave us reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts when you can. We really, really appreciate it. Helps those algorithms help spread awareness of the game, of our show. Absolutely.
0: Of course, we got to thank Lowfill for our show's incredible music, and of course, we got to thank our partners, Mister Laser and Imperial Terrain. Of course, we highly recommend their websites, and you can use the code Hello There Five to get a five percent off discount on both of their websites, respectively. Of course you can find me and amon several places online you could find me jesse everywhere at the same place that's twitter instagram long shanks and discord at jesse aiken that's j-s-s-e-a-k-i-n and check out my marvel crisis protocol show fury's finest a marvel crisis protocol show about everything marvel universe and marvel crisis protocol amon where can everyone find you you can follow me on twitter at amon who games or
1: a who games but i'm ch long amon kusro i am the only amon we've said this ad nauseum now but i must let everyone know i am general amon i am amon grievous
0: you collect all the other amon's lightsabers
1: they're braids oh no oh yes no. you can also hear me on my podcast about warhammer underworlds called path to glory where we talk about competitive gaming player development and community growth and yeah, man, I'm really excited about this box, Jesse, and the Separatist agenda, if you will, as we mentioned earlier. And I can't wait to see what we do and what the community does.
0: With. I agree completely. And I also think what a box of sculpts too. I mean, we already sang the praises of Grievous, but I don't think we talked about how cool enough Kraken and the B2s are. I think they're just well done. And once again, these are straight up Clone Wars B2s. These are not Attack of the Clones B2s at all. They were fully stylized. We're going fully over the top with the top heaviness of them. They're already top heavy in Attack of clones, but they make them more top heavy in Clone Wars. So I just think it's another inspired artistic choice. And man, Kalani, he's deep in that battle. He's on that rebel. He's pointing. He's in there. And you know, my whole world view of Mon has changed recently when I figured out that Django is actually standing on a seismic charge from his fire spray gunship. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've started to look at everyone's rubble in greater detail. And the headcanon, at least, I have of Kalani's rubble he's standing on as a clone lat gunship door he's standing on so there you go i
1: like that might have to paint it yeah, like get that, that republic
0: burgundy out right and paint it
1: well as general grievous would say thanks for listening
0: may the force be with you so uncivilized